Hello there, I'm Manish Shekhar and welcome to the Global Dialogue series on Neurodiversity. Neurodiversity embraces how we all think, learn, communicate and experience the world differently from one another. In this podcast, every fortnight, we talk with different people to showcase how we are accepting the diversity of human brain and mind in different parts of the world and the need for inclusion of all individuals with different cognitive abilities into the mainstream society. Our guest today is Andrew Eddy. Andrew Eddy is the CEO of Untap, a social enterprise focused on developing a sustainable neurodiverse employment ecosystem to increase opportunities for autistic individuals. Andrew is on a mission to change the narrative about autism through awareness, education and engagement. Andrew also leads the Neurodiversity Hub initiative which collaborates with universities, colleges, employers and service providers to work together to create environments and opportunities for neurodivergent young adults to succeed. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining our Global Dialogue series on neurodiversity. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Manu. It's great to be here. Thank you. Could you give a quick introduction about yourself for our audience? Yes, certainly. So uh, I'm the CEO of Untapped Holdings, and we work uh, with a range of companies to help them with the idea of uh, employment of autistic and neurodivergent individuals. Um, what we're doing is we're offering to them a proven model that can be implemented in a matter of months. And around that, we can then help them change their whole approach to attraction, selection, screening, recruitment, onboarding um, and progression and make it a much more inclusive process. Um, We also are then looking at how we can help them source talent And so we've got the initiative called the Neurodiversity Hub, which started uh, probably six years ago as a conversation about creating an autism-friendly university and kicked off nearly four years ago with a specific workshop to design the co-curricular program. Um, And that's now been implemented in many universities in Australia and the USA um, and in the UK. Um, And we also have other initiatives Um, which we'll talk about um, during this conversation. Um, But we're very much into creating a global change in the narrative around uh, autistic employment and and neurodivergent inclusion. That's really interesting to hear about. How important is it for companies or do they have a duty to make the workplace more inclusive? What would you say on that? I think they have a duty to their shareholders. and to and their duty to the community, um, to uh, as an organisation to be more representative of the community and of their shareholders. And as you know, there's just a diversity of people out there, um, and I think companies need to be much more reflective of that. So I think they have a, a moral obligation to be more inclusive. Um, and I know it's it can be hard. Um, and people can get stuck on particular areas and and so on. But um, this is something that we're trying to help them with to create um, the tools, the programs, the the ways forward to be part of a movement um, to to make things more inclusive. How many years have you guys been doing this, of working towards workplace neurodiversity? Um, Well, it started as a conversation many years ago, you know, like, 12 years ago, but um, really in terms of the business, uh, really starting uh, just under four years ago um, in terms of 
creating the model and starting off the neurodiversity hub model and, and going from there. Okay, how's it been working with companies? What has been the pro- progress of inclusion and neurodiversity? Has it been more acceptable nowadays? I think it is. Um, so we just ran our fourth Autism at Work Summit here in Australia. And previously, there'd been physical events where we'd got, uh, you know, 100, 100 people, 150, 200 people to attend. Uh, this one, we did it as a virtual event. We had 1,150 uh, registrations and we end up with over 600 people actually, you know, being on online or watching the recordings. So I think there's been a shift um, and part of it was being virtual, so it made it more accessible. Um, but I think the the pandemic didn't help and a lot of companies have pulled back from doing these sorts of projects. Um, so we'll just see how we come out of this because um, we're not there yet. And uh, we've got a way to go uh, around the world. So we'll have to see. But I think um, there is a recognition that if you want to be able to get the talent you need to be competitive, um, there's a whole lot of untapped talent pools out there. And one of them is neurodivergent individuals. And it's about um, being more inclusive of the people you already employ that are neurodivergent, because I don't think they companies do a great job of that and it's about overtly creating programs to employ these people great and how has untapped been working with companies to make it more inclusive for neurodiverse individuals can you go into the specifics yeah sure so um, we're really helping them with that whole process of attraction screening assessment selection onboarding and really giving them a, a proven model which has research underpinnings Um, that they can implement in a matter of months and then work out how to change their processes going forward. Um, Part of it is uh, assessing the workplace for being uh, dealing with any sensory issues. Part of it is looking at the actual jobs and making sure that they're appropriately designed. Part of it is um, creating awareness training and um, training in how to work with neurodivergent individuals. Part of it is changing the approach to how you help them develop. So we've got this whole curriculum that we use with them as they come into the company uh, to help them develop and not only learn the technical skills, but also life skills. Great. You know, Hasha, we've been speaking with a lot of companies too. And I think one of the main difficulties that I see with a lot of organizations is that the interview process, right? It is very different for neurodiverse individuals. Assessing them, like you said, it's different from the others, like how you do it. What has been your approach for that? So, yeah, so we don't do interviews. Um, we have a, we run a uh, four-day virtual uh, assessment workshop, talent workshop. And <clears throat> what we're doing there is providing them with some better information about their autism uh, helping them understand the hidden curriculum in the office, uh, talking to them about executive functioning and and therefore trying to identify accommodations they might need. We're assessing the technical ability and we're giving them information about the company that we're looking to hire them into. So that's our approach. Um, however, we recognise that many companies still want to interview. So as part of the Neurodiversity Hub, we've created uh, a workbook, um, a job readiness workbook which is on the hub it's a 50 page document it's an editable pdf 
it's it helps you deal with the whole um, the whole process from CV cover letter helps you prepare for normal the the new usual interview questions um, but it's a workbook so you can download it on your computer just type straight into the PDF and save it and that's your workbook for you preparing for for the interview process so we've got that and there's various other um, um, guides and tools that we've got on the hub that help people with that whole process um, we've got a a booklet on preparing for careers fairs and employer expos. So there's a, a soup to nuts um, approach to how to prepare for, how to survive, how to ask questions and how to follow up from a careers fair. So we're really trying to make it, um, you know, provide the tools for individuals. That's really interesting, like how you guys have created the resources for companies as well as individuals to succeed. Uh, talking about succeeding, right? Um, what about after they join company? What about the growth of an individual, neurodiverse individual within the company? What has been in that scene? Yeah, so I don't think that's been done very well across the board. Um, there's a lot of programs where people are just got they're given a job and that's it, and there's not the recognition then after that. And that's so you know we really got to change that. We've we really got to have a program where it's not just getting them into the office or into the workplace. It's about having a program that takes them from there, that helps them understand and identify their strengths, helps them build on those strengths, helps them look at other opportunities within the company and advocate for themselves, um, work with the company on creating secondment opportunities into other areas that can allow them to see what other opportunities there are, uh, but also allow the other parts of the company to understand more about them and um, how they can work with autistic or neurodivergent individuals. Um, so we need to have those sorts of programs to make it work. Um, but it's got to start with a company that's willing to take the plunge. And many companies I talk to say, oh, we're not ready for a program yet. Um, let's let's um, maybe we'll do it next year. You know, um, or or maybe you know maybe you should leave it for the time being. And I say, well, that's that's fine, and I can come back next year. But what are you doing for all the people you currently employ, who are autistic or neurodivergent? And they look at me. They look at me, and I say, what you've got to realise is this is not a choice. You already employ people, and they're probably not being dealt with in the best way. So you really need to think about that. And they go, then they go, okay, well, maybe we should just focus on them. I said, well, that's terrific, but they're not going to tell you. They're not going to come out and tell you who they are. Um, just because you've got a policy that says you're an inclusive organisation doesn't mean anything. The, the, the best way to do it is actually to start a program. If you start a program, what you're showing is that you're serious about this, you're actually putting your money where your mouth is, You're not. it's not just a policy, it's action. And so we've seen it so many times with companies, the ones that actually take the action and, in, and implement a program, even if it's a small one, it just has this huge impact on the whole area around it. And you'll have people coming out of the woodwork saying, I'm autistic, what are you going to do for me? Or my son's autistic, I want to help, or my next-door neighbour, or whatever. Um, because there's you know, this incidence of, you know, one and a half to 2% of autism in the population and probably 
20 to 30% of the population is neurodivergent. It's, it's there and we've got to recognise that, become more aware of it, become more accepting of it and become more inclusive. That is actually really true. And I think one of the biggest struggles is everybody's focusing on getting a job. But what about the growth of the individual? Because as a career, we need to grow from the career. We need to have, prom- like, everybody deserves promotion. And as you said, having a program, making it more inclusive, making it more understanding. We had uh, we have one of our other speakers who actually had an understanding, who started as an intern, now who's leading an initiative of in the company itself. It's because of the understanding, people coming forward to support. I think the support system is so important for to and to identify that potential in them and grow because as you like like you mentioned right they're not going to come up and say this is what i'm good at so how do you do that so what are the things companies can do when you mean program what are the things that they can possibly do to get it get that going yes so first of all you need a a senior sponsor you need that Mm -hmm. senior sponsor that's either the ceo or reports to the ceo so that's a good place to start because otherwise you're going through too many layers of management to get approval for something. So that's a key thing. You've also got to create awareness, and there can be a number of ways to do that. One way is by creating an employee resource group uh, for companies that have those. So many companies have these things where they have ability for employees to be involved on a particular topic. Um, But that's, that's one way to do that is to create a specific one around neurodivergence and give it agency to do things. So that's, that's one approach. Another one is to, um, to have some awareness training um, and offer that um, broadly across the company. Um, and we use Optimize in doing that. So Optimize has a Neurodiversity 101, which is a 30-minute mm-hmm. module. And really, I, I think that should be mandatory training across any company so that they start getting that awareness change because you've really got to just change the uh, conversation, change the narrative, and the best way to do that is create awareness. So, you know, they're the fir- sort of first things I talk about. And then if there are um, summits or conferences in your area around neurodivergence or if you want to hook into one of the international ones, so, you know, anyone could have, um, registered for the Australian Autism Work Summit. It was free. So anyone in the world, we had 200 people overseas registering and they had the chance to see all that content. Um, on the 7th to 9th of November is the Stanford Neurodiversity Summit. That's a free summit again. It's got nearly 3,000 people already registered. They've still got capacity for more. It's So I'd recommend that one. So there's there's a number of these events. Uh, and often they are either can be live or you can watch the recording afterwards. So encourage people to start doing that. And that can also be a good source of content for any employee resource group. So if you want to then create a, a resource group that talks about the topic, shares ideas and discussions, then um, attending some of these conferences can then provide you with materials and recordings that you can then use as part of those groups. Amazing. So the takeaway would be is build your resource materials and awareness and create groups that can support this, right? And get an executive sponsor. Yes. The number one who one. made the decision. Number one. Yeah, number one. Yeah, number one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, one of the things that I really like uh, about Untapped is how you work with companies' requirements and how you also 
make universities more accessible for neurodiverse individuals and also work with neurodiverse individuals themselves to make sure that they succeed. Can you explain more about this model, how you decided to work with all the three parts, right? Yep, yep. So it was really trying to create a whole ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And an ecosystem has many moving parts. Um, it's a long-term project um, and it'll probably go beyond when I'm gone. Um, but it's, it's really about trying to create a program that will allow for this to happen. And, um, and we decided to focus on colleges and universities because that's a great place to, to focus. Um, it's sort of just before going to work and it's after school and it can be an area where there's huge drop-off in people not taking that step. And, you know, a lot of autistic individuals don't take the step of going from school into college or university. Um, or even if they do get in, they will then often drop out in the first year because it's such a change. I mean, it's such a big change for anyone. Um, and even if they do get through their course, they don't end up usually having work experience. So they don't stack up against their neurotypical peers. So the whole idea of the Neurodiversity Hub was to try and impact those three areas. Uh, pathways to university, um, supports or scaffolding for student success to get through the course, and number three, getting work experience so that they stand a chance of getting that job and starting a career. And to do that, you need the input of schools, the, the input of the whole university, and the partnership with employers. So you start getting that whole ecosystem ha thing happening. Um, and then if you want to talk about individual students, one of the gaps we saw in designing the Neurodiversity Hub uh, co-curricular program was a lack of life skills in this cohort. And so we've teamed up with, um, with a group of uh, neurodivergent writers, illustrators and artists, um, and we've put together a whole set of life skills training. Uh, it's called beyourbest.academy. So it's not .com, it's .academy. If you go to .com, you get a baseball team. So it's beyourbest.academy, and um, this is a group of writers. This is how they make their living doing the writing. So there is a charge, a small charge for the courses, but it's it's not that significant. Um, and there are courses in um, new, new diagnosis and understanding that, in courses in relationships, in organisational skills, in um, li independent living in the community. Uh, there's courses on... Um, relationships, I've said that, uh, also on presentation skills and on cooking and nutrition. So there's a whole range of things there, um, which, which I really encourage. Um, the other thing we found through our autism and work programs was a lack of understanding of cybersecurity as an opportunity for work. Um, and that was quite sad because there are a lot of jobs in cybersecurity and some of the traits that autistic individuals possess actually line up well with the skills of a cybersecurity analyst. Um, and when we put people through a one-day training course, uh, they actually got quite interested in the area. So we thought if we can somehow provide a platform for people to understand that, then they might create a win-win situation. So we put together a platform called GeniusArmory.com. And this is about attraction, instruction, assessment, and motivation. So it's about getting people to see the opportunity, 
providing them with a fundamentals course in cybersecurity. It goes into areas of uh, honours and masters of cybersecurity, so it's a very advanced course. It takes six to ten hours to complete. Not everyone's going to be able to complete it because it gets more and more difficult. And so if you actually can complete it, that's a real achievement. Um, we then provide links to universities that people can go to uh, to do courses uh, that provide supports. And we're keen to add some Indian universities onto that um, because we've had something like 3,000 people in India register on the Genius Army website. That's um, really so amazing. we'd be very keen to get more people going through that course um, and and then we're, we're talking to people in India about opportunities for jobs with companies that we work with globally that are in the neurodiversity hub so that we can create that awareness and the opportunities and uh, create the, the chances for people to start a career. That's great. Um, the Genius Armory, right? Uh, this, so this is more like a prep for them to join a course in the university or for them to directly go to a company? How does it work? Both. Both. So, um, so if, if someone was to do it and they thought, okay, this is something of interest to me, I want to do more, then we would suggest that they then consider doing a, a college or a university course in that. However, there are some work programs, uh, employment programs, um, ones that we run, for instance, um, where we take people who've got no qualifications straight in and we teach them up from scratch. So um, there are there are programs around that if you've shown the aptitude by doing Genius Armory, then we can take you through. And we actually use Genius Armory as one of our screening tools uh, when we're looking for cybersecurity talent. That's actually great. You know, uh, I we have spoken with uh, many neurodiverse individuals, and not many of them want to go to a university. So having an independent course and being able to bypass that route is, and it's, that's something that we are also working in Hashtag Code, where we're creating independent courses because university might fit for some, might not fit for some at all, right? And the other thing that I liked what you mentioned is about using the learning as an assessment because this is a continuous learning process, right? Because an individual with autism might be performing one day, might not be performing another day, right? So having that continuous assessment will give you a better result of understanding what that person is capable of yes. fully. Yeah. yeah, the other thing, Manu, is that uh, if you look at the, and we, we don't look at the job description, we look at traits. So when we talk to companies, we're saying, what are the traits that you're looking for? And we design our process to, to search for that. But if you look at the traits of a good cybersecurity analyst, it actually lines up well with a number of other um, roles in digital forensics or coding or whatever. So we're seeing Genius Armory as being a, a great tool to use for a whole range of jobs. And you know maybe that's something that you and I should talk more about as to how we can collaborate around that. Definitely. See, one thing that we identified is working towards more emerging technologies like cyber tech, uh, security, AI, gives them more job opportunities and put them in a competitive edge. There's definitely a way to move forward. And the other thing that I also really strongly believe is that they need to be skilled, like you, know, you need to be skilled individual. You cannot look at jobs that are low skills because they're not going to last long, right? After two, three years, they might go away. So creating skill set is a primary uh, it's a very important thing to do. So that's really good. Uh, you, Neurodiversity Hub, right? You guys have been working across countries, if I'm correct. So universities in US and UK. What has been that? How was the impact of that? 
so that wasn't the intention. Um, it was meant to be just an Australian thing. And uh, um, we did this co-design nearly four years ago. And then we had the fortune to be introduced to a couple of universities in the US that had been running programs for many years. And we asked them to have a look at what we designed as a co-curricular program. And they had a look at that. They gave us some great suggestions, uh, which was good. And then they said, well, what are you trying to do? So we explained to them what we're trying to do. And they said, well, can we join? And we said, well, why do you, why would you want to join? You've been doing this for 10 years, you know. And they said, well, we've got some great programs, but we need to do more in that transition to employment space. And so can we work with you on that piece? So they've joined and we've now got like 16 or 17 universities in the States that have joined the hub. It's just spread through word of mouth and uh, people wanting to participate. Um, Because often with these programs, they're very short-staffed. And this is in the States where um, they charge money for the programs. So they're charging three or 4,000 a year for the programs. Um, But even then, they're very short-staffed. So they're very thankful to be part of the neurodiversity hub community of practice because they then get to leverage all these other resources and other universities in the hub uh, to share things and share experiences. So that's the intent of it. And then we've had uh, in the UK, we've got one university and also in, in Dublin, and we're talking to people in Spain as well at the moment. And it'd be great to do some things in India. Definitely. I think the biggest highlight is how you were connecting the employment with the college level itself. And I think that's the key, right? Because that transition doesn't happen so much. Uh, I remember one of our uh, uh, neurodiverse individuals was telling me how the support systems that she had in college, in university, was not there when she, had, when she went to workplace. And she had to build the entire thing from grounds up. And that's a very difficult thing for a neurodiverse individual, right? Now, that's why it's important that organisations uh, understand if they're going to go down this track, that they understand that they need to change the way they do things. Okay. What is the biggest challenge do you see for companies integrating neurodiversity in workplace and how could we resolve them? Um, it's really about creating the awareness. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is not seeing it as an HR initiative, not seeing it as a human resources initiative. because HR has already has a whole lot of things to do. Um, and, you know, they've already got gender and LGBTI and physical disabilities and return to work and veterans and, this, you know, all these things. So they've got a lot of things on already, discrimination, all these things. Um, so to try and lump another initiative in, all that ends up happening is they'll get another manila folder and they'll stick the stuff in it and stick it in the drawer and and see it again Um, so they will do their best but it's only so much they can do and so what's important is to be trying to focus on company capability so what are the gaps in capability that a company has and why is that the case and what is the opportunity uh, for some of those roles to be taken by uh, a group from one you know an untapped talent group like uh, an autistic talent group Um, because they can be very loyal employees and very dedicated and, and bring some great skills. Um, and many of them are underemployed or unemployed. So here's an opportunity to fill a, a skill gap. And at the moment, people don't know. 
you know, they don't know about that opportunity. So if we can try and educate the business, then HR will come in and support that. But if you leave it up to HR to initiate and try and sell the whole thing, it's going to be a lot longer. So, so when we talk to companies, we try and uh, have that direct conversation with the business side or the talent acquisition side. Obviously, keep HR involved, but not just try and drive it through HR. Definitely. I definitely think that's a, I think it's the people who want to work with them that has to take the first step. And I think another thing that I would like, like to bring it back is that, like how you mentioned, it is not the job description. It is the traits that is important, right? To identify the traits and push them in that skill set. Because I think even now, many companies are trying to see how to fulfill a, a job description or a job requirement. That's not going to work. You need to work, find that what unique trait that they have and grow from that. Yes, and often the job descriptions have things that are not really needed. They might say things like great presentation skills or team player or, you know, loudmouth person. Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to suit. Um, it, might, it might be something that's been carried forward and used for many years, but we've really got to take a fundamental look at how we describe jobs and really cut them down to what is really needed in this job. Um, we've got to recognise that we have teams now, team-based working. We don't need to have everyone having all the skills. We can have a team and between them they have the necessary skills, but individually they might only have some of the skills. That's actually a good point. That's the same thing that we're also saying. You don't have to do A to Z. You can just do one certain thing and a team can support. And that, exactly that's how we all work, right? So it doesn't have a person doesn't have to do everything, just a certain thing and build a team together. That's really amazing that you brought that out also. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our audience? Um, yes. So the other area that people need to watch out for is mental health. Uh, because this cohort, uh, has something like nine or ten times the level of suicide ideation to the general population. And you can imagine through the pandemic that you know mental health has become a, a huge, much bigger issue across the board. And so that's magnified itself amongst uh, autistic and neurodivergent individuals. So many years ago, we started a project um, to create a mental health toolkit of training to use with. Um, um, for for uh, managers and co-workers to use in the workplace to understand more about mental health and understand how it impacts autistic individuals. Um, and we're just about to release the online version of that training. Uh, it's been developed by La Trobe University here in Melbourne, um, but also with input from Stanford and other universities. So it's it's probably one of one of a kind in the world. Um, and we're going to have that online and available. Um, we're just finalising the paywall for that training. Um, so I can provide you with the linkage of that. But if you go to the neurodiversityhub.org website and go to the resources page and the mental health page, it's the first item there is, is this mental health training. And there's a copy of the research report and the summary of the training and the introductory video um, but very much encourage companies to look at that because with this cohort, if you haven't got a strategy around mental health, you can end up with issues. So you need to be ready. You need to make sure you equip your managers and co-workers with the right training to help them uh, succeed. 
that's really amazing like you know how untapped with neurodiversity hub the resources that you guys are building to create that awareness and as you said mental health is very important for everybody and if with uh, an individual with autism or you know that it can be amplified so it's good that you guys are really bringing it out and thank you so much for coming on to talk to us and share your experience and especially the resources that you're building many people need to know about this and need to build that awareness thank you so much andrew for having my pleasure you know. thank you thank you for the opportunity all the best thank you have a good Thank you so much for listening to our Global Dialogue series on neurodiversity. Our next episode will be on 22nd February with Christina Ryan, CEO and founder of the Disability Leadership Institute Australia, who talks about the impacts of having individuals with different abilities in a leadership role and how that is the key for true inclusion. Till then, take care and have a great week.